Time is something that we have to make friends with and actually learn to love in order to create the kind of time that we need to do the genius. One of the things I realized, the thing that prevents us from being willing or able to receive is our own self-perception of self-worth. In other words, it's our identity that gets in the way. I find that often people are afraid of doing the thing that would be most valuable to them per time spent. You know, when you really have your heart involved in something and you need answers, there's no better way than to just open your heart and ask directly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Mike Koenigs, and this is The Big Leap with Gay Hendricks. And this episode is the five steps to finding and staying in your zone of genius. I believe it's our best episode we've ever done. If you've ever wanted to find a way, spend all your time in the thing you love to do, that you do the best and you get lost in time, you're going to love this episode. Gay, what are some of the big takeaways that you had today? Well, we talk about those five things you can do, which are great, but one thing that just lit me up about this episode is about all the other little things we kind of spark off into creatively. We, In fact, we got into one little juicy area about how to know what an addiction is that's uh, very life-changing once you understand it. So lots of juicy side material plus the five things that you can do to live in your zone of genius. How do you know if you're an addict? Listen to this episode, watch this episode, and dive right in with Gay Hendricks and me. So Gay, here we are. Um, one of our most asked for comments that we get in most popular episodes have to do with operating and staying in your zone of genius, which you are an expert at. That's your, that is one of your zones of genius, which uh, came from the big leap. So maybe for folks who aren't familiar with that uh, phrase and what it means, why don't you describe that first, then we'll come up with the five core, five steps. Sounds good. Well, that's one of the things I get the most questions on. In fact, I was standing in line for my espresso at a coffee shop the other day, and a fan came up and tapped me on the shoulder and uh, said, uh, hey, why don't you do another podcast uh, on Genius? They'd really gotten a lot out of the last one we oh, did. That's great. So that's great. Um, I love that, and I'd love to work on that. Um, let me tell you, um, I think last time I talked about that $25,000 experience that executives have here. Uh, but anyway, to make a long story short, um, corporations will send us um, a CEO or a CEO or somebody like that. And um, they um, and it costs $25,000 to spend the day with the person. And the very first thing we do is we invite them to go in a little room by themselves and for 10 minutes simply meditate on what their genius is. Mm. And these are all folks who have read The Big Leap and things like that, so they're not strangers to the concept. But the first question we ask them to meditate on is, what do I most love doing? Mm. So imagine a person, a distinguished gentleman or a woman going into a little room, and there's nothing in the room. They sit down on a little chair. And for the next 10 minutes, here's what they do. In their mind, they go, hmm. We ask them to hum first because yep. humming actually 
unites the two hemispheres of the mind. So we say, hmm, what do I most love doing? And then we ask them to take three easy breaths and then ask the question again. So over the course of 10 minutes, they've asked themselves the question, what do I most love to do? Dozens and dozens of different times. And it's amazing that even though it seems like such a simple thing, sometimes people come out of that 10 minutes and they say, I got my whole 25 grand worth. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, they've yeah. never ever done that before. <laughs> they've never sat down and really focused on their genius. Yeah. And so the first thing I want to just tell everybody about how to live in your zone of genius is how to live in your wonder questions. And a wonder question is a question you really don't know the answer to, and it would really change your life if you had the answer to it. Mm. So, for example, let me just um, turn the microphone on you, Mike, and say, you've created great success in your life and are still creating great success in your life, and you're at a peak now that you've probably never been at before. So what is it about your work that you most love? Mm. Um, so what I, I love, I, I figured out about three big things uh, fairly recently. This has just been since my latest reinvention. So it's, it's, it's reinvention five, six, or seven at this point. But it, it comes down to, I know I love to create and launch businesses and collaborate with creative people and founders. And I like to do it fast and I don't like to run businesses, for example. So as long as I'm in a space of creativity, I'm really, really happy. And then um, another big breakthrough idea is I've realized that, you know how you talk about learning how to receive. You can have anything you want as long as you open yourself up to receiving. And one of the things I realized, the thing that prevents us from being willing or able to receive is our own self-perception of self-worth. In other words, it's our identity that gets in the way. I'm not worth it or I'm not special. I don't deserve. And so you can manufacture an offer or a vision of a future self and become that identity by practicing it. And the fastest way to do that is to ask for something, to literally make an offer and give it value for someone to accept and say, I value that thing and you delivering it so much that I'm willing to put skin in the game. And that can happen literally in a day or two. And um, you can become worth a hundred thousand dollars um with a different offer which is an identity upgrade and that has been a huge turning point for me and it's been the implementing that has helped me help a lot of people and help myself along the way mm -hmm. and so what about it at the very essence really lights your heart up when you're doing it. Mm. Okay. This is another part of the process. So when I am doing what, what we call vision days, um, 
first of all, people come to me. That's really nice. So they come and they stay at my condo on the beach in La Jolla. And I ask them questions. So everything happens as a result of a dialogue. There's no work to do. We talk and ask questions. And I've developed a process. And a lot of this has to do with, remember how one time you told me about how Katie, your wife, is a kinesthetic learner. And she has to stand and move. And she was shamed as a child growing up because she couldn't learn until she stood up and a teacher recognized that in her and gave her the gift of stand and move. And suddenly her life changed. And, and ever since you told me that the first time, I realized I'm the same way. I'm a kinesthetic. So what I do is I stand and I draw and I write on whiteboards and pretty soon the walls and we've got glass glass walls so the whole place is a giant you know it's 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 270 degree view it's covered in giant post-its with ideas and we create a roadmap and a vision of a future identity together and i love the fact that i get to act and 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 ask questions to things i don't even know the answers to and in a short period of time, we get to manufacture a new business. You know, it's something that's implementable. It just so happens that business is implementable and you can keep score by charging money, right? It makes it easy. Um, and you can create something and create a story that you can live into really, really quickly. And I realized that every part of living really is in, in society is about becoming a story, creating a story. What's an offer? What's a product? What's the United States of America? It's really an idea that enough people buy into. And that idea can become a reality. So it's sort of like composing with words. I love it. And so it's that act of creation that comes out of dialogue in that situation. And, and more specifically, collaboration. It would not be fun if I did it alone. I like to do mm -hmm. it with people. And I like to do it for people. I don't mind doing it for myself, but it's a lot more fun when I get to make it. I get that sense of service and, um, and watching or hearing from someone. I did this not long ago for someone who coaches coaches and we created a new offer, a new identity. And, you know, it went from like a $20,000 offer to a $50,000 offer. And less than a month later, he presented it to a group and had a million dollar day and um that was the first time he had ever spoken before and made an offer and certainly the first time he had had a million dollar day before um so that was incredibly satisfying referrals from some of his friends and family soon <laughs> yeah 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 it and it's already happened it already has happened so um and that's becoming commonplace and you know once the once people start talking about you behind your back and and it's good stuff um you know, you don't have to work so hard to get more clients. That's, I told you before we started this, I won't reveal the number, but I had my highest producing quarter um, in my in my career uh, this past quarter. And I think it's because I finally hit my own zone of genius. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got some good hanging out around here doing this podcast then. Yeah, yeah. It's been pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. Well, congratulations on that. So yeah, uh, the big point I'm coming to here is that the number one way 
to live in your zone of genius is to keep asking yourself the question, what do I most love to do? The reason mm. I want you to keep asking it is it changes all the time. You know, like what yeah. you most love about your business 12 months from now may be different, um, substantially different even from what it is right now. So you have to keep living in those big wonder questions. So mm. big number one way to stay up to date in your genius zone is to get good at launching wonder questions all the time. Stay innocent, stay, you know, like, Stay in the zone of confusion. Stay in not knowing a little bit longer because that's a juicy state that, you know, when you really have your heart involved in something and you need answers, there's no better way than to just open your heart and ask directly. Ask the universe. Ask other people. But asking makes you vulnerable to the universe and teachable to the universe. Uh -huh. And to me, the quick path to that is the state of wonder. So number one, cultivate that state of wonder. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Um, and do you have any other great wonder questions that you ask or have either provided breakthroughs for yourself or, or your clients when you're doing your uh, one day breakthroughs that you do? One of the big ones that comes after what do you most love to do is what do you do that provides the greatest positive outcome per time spent? Mm -hmm. I find that often people are afraid of doing the thing that would be most valuable to them per time spent. You know, like the, I was strolling the halls of a big Midwestern uh, um corporation that, um, and I asked the CEO, you know, what is it that you, what would be the biggest thing you could do per time spent? And mm -hmm. he said, well, if I could just go into my office and shut the door and think for 10 minutes. And so we stopped. I took him by the arm and we went back to his office and we sat down in there and we just did that for 10 minutes. You know, and, and so um, it wasn't, it, I, I didn't need a lot of skills as a consultant to help figure that out. Yeah. You know, just ask. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, exactly. It's like clear my calendars. I want eight, 10 minute blocks, you know, throughout the day or whatever it takes. I love that. So another way I've heard that question asked before is what is your hubu, your highest use, best use? And, um, and I like, I found that asking the same question different ways produces different compelling answers also. So, um, and, and also just shifting the language or, um, focusing it on a future positive. So it's very, um, I guess NLP esque. But, um, you know, never focusing on the past, never creating an, in, a situation where blame or victimhood could enter into the conversation, but instead, again, uh, creating an opportunity for you to live in an upgraded identity or a future positive focus. Um, okay, so I love that. What else is showing up for you? Is there anything else? Another co super compelling question. Another really super question is, and, and remember, 
you got to begin these with a hmm, yeah. a, hmm, mm. a genuine wonder, because it's genuine wonder that gets the answers you're looking for. Um, another big one that I use is, hmm, what do I do that I lose track of time yeah. while I'm doing it? Uh, for me, for example, I'm a writer, and so early in the morning is my writing time. I, I wake up around 4.30 or so, and usually from about 5.30 to 7.30, I'm focusing on my writing. And then my wife gets up around 7.30 or 8, and then I like to stop and make her coffee and things like that. But the seven th or 5.30 to 7.30 is kind of my sweet spot. And during that time, time just disappears. You know, I'll be working on my stuff, and all of a sudden I'll hear Katie come out of the bedroom door, and I realize, oh, wow, it's 7.30 already. Mm. And so ask yourself what you do that takes you out of time. And the problem, you know, people have a huge amount of problems with time. Mm. Uh, I would say you stop the average person on the street and say, um, what's your problem with time? You know, if they were willing to answer, they'd say, I don't have enough of it. I never have enough of it. Or another person might say, I have too much of it. I'm bored out of my wits. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's um, time is something that we have to make friends with and actually learn to love in order to create the kind of time that we need to do the genius. Uh, in other words, I'm a big believer that you create the amount of time you need based on your commitments. Mm. And if you have a high commitment to living in your genius, you will create more time to do that. And you might do it by arranging things better, but there's something mystical that happens that comes out of deep soul level commitment to something. It takes you into a different zone. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you are in your genius, you transcend time and transcend your ordinary sense of yourself so that you, you leave behind the ordinary reality of life. That's why it's a good idea if you're a super creative person to also get good at having a calendar and having reminders and having a good alarm system that goes off when you need to be somewhere. Uh, because I go into the timeless and sometimes I don't even realize that, uh, you know, I, I'm doing what I'm doing. That's really good. That's really good. I had um, one other set of questions. Um, this is actually going back up to the, what do I most love to do? Um, I have some alternate versions of that question and just listening to you talk about the wonder, um, pop this up. So I want to just go backwards for a second, which is I, I ask people, um, answer this question. What I really want to do is, or the reason I'm doing what I do is so that I can, um, because, um, Oftentimes I've found that we become addicted to thinking we have to do two things that could take decades before we can do the thing we think we want to do or the thing we really want to do. And um, there's some old trauma or rule that's preventing us from having the life of our dreams right now. I just want to ask you briefly, um, that might be something we ask later on, and I'm not sure how much it has to do with staying in your zone of genius. But again, when you talked about 
creating the time you need um, and living in or out of time, uh, there's like this unnecessary anxiety and urgency and fear that oftentimes prevents us from living and staying and operating in our zone of genius. So do you have any commentary on that before we go on to the next one? Yes. And most of those things are addictions of various kinds. Uh Um, For example, you know, we were just discussing time. Time for many people has the same role in their life as an addictive substance. They're addicted to a certain version of time. They're addicted to being in a hurry. They've come to value the adrenaline of being in a hurry to the actual creative, juicy energy of being in your genius. And Mm. so the only, let me me just cut to the punchline in a way, the only way to create the kind of time you really need for your genius is through the power of your commitment. Mm. In other words, when you get committed to your genius, when you actually make a sincere, heartfelt commitment Mm. to it and start acting on that, time will bend to your will. You'll actually be able to create more time. But that requires you to take responsibility for your time. Mm. And what most people do is they go around thinking of themselves as the victim of time. Mm. Oh, I'd love to do dot, 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 but I don't have time. I'd love to stand here and talk to you on the street, but I just don't have time. I've got to run. Mm -hmm. So notice about time. See, I believe that an addiction is anything you lie about. Mm. And the best way to find out what you're addicted to is to find out what you lie about. Wow. God, that's profound. people lie about time. You've never told me that before. That is awesome. Oh. Yeah. Just look at anything you tell lies about, and it will tell you where your addictions are. And people lie constantly about time. They think it's not important, but it is important because it casts you as the victim of time. When most people say, I don't have time to talk to you right now, what they really mean is, I don't want to talk to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) And they're using using the the addictive substance of time Uh to justify that. Oh. Yeah, so let's get back to that thing about an addiction is anything you lie about. Yeah. You know, like my friend that I was just playing golf with um, yesterday, he's a great proponent of 12-step program. He's had 20 years of sobriety um, thanks to 12-step. And um, he said the day before he stood up in front of that 12-step group, he had been lying about his addiction for literally 30 years. Wow. You know, people would ask him, you know, the doctor would ask him at the physical, how many alcoholic drinks do you have a week? And he would say, oh, maybe two to four. Uh Whereas actually sometimes he would have two to four in the morning, you know, before the (laughs) afternoon came around. And um, on another occasion, a friend of mine um, was married to the very charismatic uh, person who ran a big seminar kind of business and and was uh, the star of many 
seminars, but he had a terrible smoking habit. He smoked two or three packs of Marlboros a day, but he lied about it because he didn't want his you know, millions yeah. of followers out there to know that he did something so self-destructive. And finally, he had a heart attack and ended up in the hospital. And his wife, my friend, was sitting there when the doctor asked him if he smoked. And he said, no. Oh. <laughs> and when she confronted him afterwards, he said, well, it's true. I don't smoke at this very moment. You know, but that's not what the doctor asked. The doctor yeah, know, yeah. was asking, do you, as a lifestyle, he didn't say, are you actually smoking? Yeah, <laughs> not right but now, you ass. Yeah. He'd blow the <laughs> hospital room up, first of all, and yeah. But, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. God, that deserves and an so, episode um, all by itself. People lie to their doctors. And, oh. Yeah. So good. That is so good. All right. I, so if you look through your life and find out what you're lying about, that'll tell you clearly picture what you're addicted to. And it may not be anything that's a physical substance. Yes. Some people are addicted to being wrong. They just love that sh shitty feeling of being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we don't get thrown off Apple Podcasts for too much truth. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, you, YouTube's going to add its truth filter, and there's, there's, there's not enough lies in here. Too many, too many, <laughs> too many bombs of truth. Um, okay. Well, let's let's keep on going down the five steps to finding and staying in your zone of genius because that was probably my favorite uh, rabbit hole distraction in the history of this podcast you've ever uh, dropped before. Um, this so far, this is this. Well, I think let's this, do a whole podcast one of these days on the art of lying. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, I, I'm, that, uh, I am so all over that. This is great. I'm I'm adding that right now. So. Um, uh, it's so good. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember how many we've what? done, two or three or four or five, but I want to just say one more thing. That's, sure. I think one of the five key steps to staying in your zone of yeah. genius. Um, you know, all the time I help people here in this office make big leaps into figuring out what their zone of genius mm -hmm. is. And that's always fun. That brings a smile to my face. But what really delights me is when they've gone out there for a few weeks and then I check back in with them and they tell me a few things they've actually done to implement uh, because you've got to ground these things in reality. So I want to know when I do a follow up with a person, you know, like how much time a day, how much time every day are you spending working on your genius? Because I have people actually put that time in their calendar yeah you know that um my most successful client this year has been one who i talked into spending one entire day a week just working on genius mm. and you know it just changed his life and he would not change that day i mean he even just went to vacation on vacation in uh, Rome or someplace like that. And he stopped his vacation on Thursdays to do his genius work. 
because he's committed to it. And it's amazing to see how much progress he's made over the course of a year. That's just so profoundly simple. It's uh, astonishing. So, uh, so I'll I'll replay what we've done so far, and we can decide if these are the which of the are the five steps. So I think the first step is just ask answering the question, "What do I most love to do?" Um, and then we have some variant questions, and all these are in the show notes. Uh, step two is cultivate that state of wonder, which is how to live in your wonder questions. And then again, there's a whole bunch of notes here that I took um, regarding this. And one of the ways to achieve that is to um, answer the question about what do I do to lose track of time or what do I do that takes me out of time or when time disappears? And I don't know if that's separate, a separate step or if that's part of cultivate a state of wonder. Yeah, um, I. You could argue either mm -hmm. way, but um, let's let's not worry yeah. about the actual number. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. We just made up. <laughs> we made up five to make important? it to have a catchy headline here. So who knows? And then, um, and ask, asking the next question, which how much time per day are you operating in your zone of genius? And what I really heard you say, Gay, um, is one of the steps is beside once you figure out what it is it's negotiate spending as much time there as you can with the goal of either all the time or at least um whether it's an hour a week or a day a week um i would love to to hope that again you find a way to create um a business model for yourself that is designed around your zone of genius and that, by the way, yeah. I, I just realized this is for an upcoming episode when we talk about small container, short tail, um, it's directly related to that. So I, I can riff on that for a long period of time coming soon. Okay. Uh, one other thing, I don't know if this is number five or six or 10 or yeah. whatever, but one thing that I always like people to know and get familiar with is that it's just as important to recommit as it is to commit. You have to commit to get yourself going, but 99 times out of 100, you're gonna wander off that commitment yeah. and have to get back to it. And so I say there's no praise or no blame for wandering off the path. It's just how quickly you get back to the path. How, how quickly do you make that move and recorrect, yes. recommit? Yeah, that, that's a life yeah. path for me because I got the kind of mind that I like to go off on creative flights of fancy all the time, but I'm always having to bring myself back to the, whatever the core thing I'm working yes. on. So here's how I phrase that. And I use it as a core line to either attract or disqualify a right fit client. And that is simply, you have to be willing to experiment, iterate and test to find breakthroughs which means you are willing to change course or focus at any time for any reason without an apology or an explanation. And, and that yeah. I, I think being detached from uh, a commitment to your commitments, um, of course, you know, within reason, you know, you don't want to be a 
jackass to the people around that who are close to you but um i i completely agree iteration and testing is the sign of a true genius and you've heard the old story about how whether it's true or not that thomas edison or his team tested like ten thousand or a hundred thousand different light bulb formulas before they got one that actually didn't burn out um you know you just got to be ruthless with with um trying out ideas and being willing to be wrong yeah that's another good point too we ought to do a whole podcast sometime about the art of being wrong and turning it to your own favor uh because uh you know i I used to be very addicted to being right at an early stage of my life when I was a university professor. If you want to see people who are addicted to being right stroll yeah. through a university hall sometimes. Uh, so, but um, I'm much less addicted to being right now. I'm much more comfortable with saying, huh, I could be totally wrong here, but dot, 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 yes. dot, dot. And um, so I like to. Uh, yeah, I think most of life should be approached as kind of like an anthropological experiment. Yeah. You know how anthropologists, they go into a foreign culture and they have a protocol for how to learn the language and how to make friends with the chief or the whoever runs yeah. the place. And um, that to me is a good way to go at life kind of as in an experimental way, just trying to find out what mm -hmm. works uh, and actually is much more efficient to do that because the less you're attached to being right you can see where you need to learn various yeah. things that's and it's especially useful if you're in a committed relationship with a spouse um i you know what i i've been yeah. saying on a regular basis is uh it's absolutely unimportant to me and i mean this truly if i'm right or not i don't care and i don't really care if i'm liked um, I've become a lot more detached to being liked or right, but I know what my non-negotiable values are and, and what I'm willing to operate in. And I've, I think I've told you this before. I've found that one of the secrets to being happy is never being aggravated or being aggravated as little as possible because that creates the seed of all discontent and resentment and frustration and so um but if you are focused on being right and proving that you're right or being liked you know those are variables oftentimes either out of your control or out of your ego's control so um that definitely yeah, yeah those are both absolutely essential to move through along the way okay well let's let's do well, another one here i think uh let's just for the safety's sake think of one more step to finding and staying in your zone of genius so what again we have is asking asking that question what do i most love to do cultivating the state of wonder um determining how much time per day you're operating in your zone of genius and negotiating for more and then um committing to recommit knowing full well that it's going to require experimentation iteration testing and being detached from whatever that commitment is to um continue to evolve so if you're going to guess um one more big idea about finding and staying in your zone of genius what do you think that might be 
I think many problems that people create for themselves come out of not being committed to authenticity mm. at a deep heartfelt level. Mm. Authenticity meaning, do I feel at, at ease with all of my emotions? Am I authentic with myself? Am I at ease with admitting that I'm angry sometimes or admitting that I'm scared sometimes or admitting that I'm heartbroken sometimes? You know, all of those things come through a normal life on a fairly regular basis. And so the more we can be authentic with ourselves inside and not live in a state of where we're trying to talk ourselves out of our feelings or or create scenarios in which we feel differently. First, just authentically acknowledge those things. And the second part of that is being at ease and comfortable about sharing yourself with other people and listening to other people share with you about what's authentic for themselves. Mm. You know, I remember at Dell, uh, when I used to coach the execs at Dell, um, I tell the story of one of them who I, I encouraged him to share, instead of just being angry with his team all the time, to share that sometimes he felt sad or disappointed. And he said, oh, my God, I could never share that in a business situation. And I said, well, crazy, because, you know, you are feeling those feelings, so you might as well go ahead and cop to them. And sure enough, you know, he came running in later and he said, wow, I just told my group that how sad I was about certain things and how disappointed I was. And he said it electrified the room. People, you know, were suddenly engaged. And I think that a lot of times we we seal off parts of ourselves. And of course, you know, if you're working in a bunch of cubicles who don't want to sit there and just talk about your feelings all day. But when things come up, I think people need to be honest with themselves. You know, half the time when people go home sick at work with a headache, what they're really doing is discharging anger that they've been sitting on all day or some kind of other emotion that they've been sitting. Um, you know, I've seen estimates that you know, like a majority of tension headaches come from sitting on anger all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the sooner as you start outing your anger, so to speak, and getting comfortable with sharing it, the headaches disappear. Um, one of my colleagues down your way, uh, David Hubbard, MD, he's um, uh, a neurologist who worked with pain for many, many, many years. And one of his mainstays was to get people more comfortable with the emotions they felt inside. Right. Well, I know it turns out yesterday, and you were close friends with him. He actually mentioned you in this clip, but I bumped into a video clip by Bob Proctor. Um, and it's probably 15 years old. And I got it from a friend of mine who said it was one of the best performing video pieces that sold the most of their products. And it was this guy that my friend Lanny sitting into a, in a car with Bob Proctor interviewing him. And one of the things that popped up was if I want to be free, I've got to be me. And it really speaks to being committed to authenticity and truth and being committed. And when you just told that little story about the origin of headaches, it's the pressure 
inside that's unreleased by being unexpressed. And I think if I were going to describe what I think the evolution of a fully, a full human is not to be a human being, but if you go from being a human doing a burger flipper, anyone who's kind of like a human robot to a human knowing that's where you're a white collar slave, you're paid for your knowledge to a human being, which is paid to be, um, uh, special or influential or um, having a, a special something. But I think the highest state is actually to be a human expression. And that's to be where you're a highly evolved spiritual entity in in physical form versus, you know, a, um, you know, a, a soul inside a body, which would be a human being. And um, uh, so any comments? I think that um, one of my favorite quotations that I always tell my um, trainees here is that masters are known not for the number of students they have, but for the number of their students who become mm -hmm. masters. Um, because it, 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 we're in the transformation world. We're in the business of transformation. And if you measure that simply by the number of students or the number of clients and the number of hours you spend, that's the wrong yeah. way to think of it. Uh, think of it as who can I talk to, who can I influence that will then go on to be an influencer mm -hmm. themselves and to transmit the kind of ideas I want to transmit yeah. in the world. Oh, that's pure juice. Okay. I, I really think this was, uh, for me, one of my favorite episodes I've ever done with you, it was juicy and relevant and useful. And uh, I'm really going to practice um, even more finding ways to negotiate operating in my zone of genius all the time. As simple as that sounds, um, it's for whatever reason, it's more meaningful now to me than ever before. And I think part of it's because I really know what it is, at least for now, um, you know, barring any, uh, any, any upcoming <laughs> radical reinvention. But um, how would you like to wrap up this episode? Any parting thoughts? Yes. Um, a guy from Holland just sent me a picture over, over the, on Facebook of the cover of my book, The Big Leap in oh. Dutch. And the title of the big leap in Dutch is Wag de Sprong, W-A-A-G-D-E-S-P-R-O-N-G, Wag de Sprong. <laughs> and so I've been going around the house saying Wag de Sprong, which means ah, yeah. take the plunge. Oh. And so I would invite anybody listening here to just kind of go down inside and figure out what they most love to do and Wag de Sprong, oh. take the plunge. I love it. Um. Well, I think I'm going to suggest that um, if you've got a big idea that you'd like Gay and I to explore in an upcoming episode, um, head over to BigLeapPodcast.com and send us a message because we really want to hear it. And full disclosure, one of the ways that we decided what this episode should be is we went through all of our episodes. I had one of my team members research the most downloaded, the most commented, 
and anyone who's on our mailing list, um, the greatest number of opens and click-throughs, and that determined this topic concept, and then Gay and I just brainstormed for a little while. So I just want you to know that if you leave us feedback and you have an ask us a question, go there and we could potentially make a podcast episode about it for you. And you know what? We'll mention your name in that episode as well. So that's a little incentive. And then uh, one other thing is, right. you know, Gay and I, uh, now that the lockdown's over, we had been planning on doing uh, something we call the Big Leap Experience. And I think it's about time to uh, make that happen. So if you want to learn more about working with Gay and I, helping you operate in your zone of genius, grow into that, find it, explore it on an ongoing basis, head on over to uh, bigleappodcast.com slash apply or just text the letters BL to 855-955-3958. You'll also get a transcript in the show notes of this episode sent to you. So with that, Gay, any other final words? Living in your genius is where the big fun is. Yes, sir. I completely agree. Well, this is another episode of The Big Leap. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure you comment, share it with someone who you think could benefit from this episode. And we're looking forward to spending some more time with you in another episode. Bye-bye.